This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Otis Barnett and Calvary Church in Inverness, Florida. For more information, please visit InvernessCalvary.com. Well, we're continuing in our series and finishing up today our series on a culture of honor. A culture of honor. And uh, and I, I can't imagine that if you've been here that you don't know this already, but heaven has and right now is existing in a culture of honor. It is where the Son of God is being honored with the highest, highest regard. He has been given a place that no one else possesses. He is at the right hand of the Father. The right hand of the Father. And, and the Father is glorifying the Son, and the Son is glorifying the Father, and, and everyone who has ever been redeemed by the shed blood of Christ is glorifying them both. And there is actually an honor taking place from those who have been redeemed. According to the book of Hebrews, there are those who are actually honoring you. That great cloud of witnesses. They're going, go, live for him, answer your call. They're honoring you. Heaven is a culture of honor. And when you look at what is called the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer, you find in there that I believe God wants the atmosphere of heaven on earth. In Matthew 6, 9, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to that. Listen to that. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a great invitation that we should pray often that the atmosphere of heaven would be on earth. That is why I am convinced that our assemblies, when we get together as the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, uh, the church should be a reflection of heaven. It should be a reflection of heaven where there are those being saved, being healed, being set free. Everything that Jesus paid for, we should be experiencing because everyone in heaven experiences those things in fullness. Church is to be a reflection of heaven. Well, what is honor? We've been talking about this for some time. It means this. It means to value. It means to esteem, to pay respect, to assign a value. Literally, the word means weighty. And there are four areas that every believer is called to walk in honor. And these have been covered over the, the weeks of this series. That is, we honor government. We honor family. We honor our, our, our civil leaders. We honor the church leaders. But there are also three directions of honor. Those that we direct honor to that are above us in authority. Our peers, those we're running with. And then those who have been entrusted to us. And, and Carl gave us, uh, Pastor Carl gave us a great word 
on honoring our children. And in this series, we've talked at length about honoring those who are in authority over us. So today, we're going to finish this series by talking about honoring our peers, our friends. Maybe another way of saying those we're called to run with. Honoring peers. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 18. This is a familiar passage. 1 Samuel chapter 18. A little bit of background. This chapter finds, uh, uh, you know, begins to declare to us the scene that is just after David has killed Goliath. This is just after this happens. And so, uh, uh, the scene, if you're not familiar with the David and Goliath story, is, you know, this, this unknown shepherd boy visiting the battlefield to feed his brothers comes and in a moment is elevated by, literally by his own faith that God will take down the champion of the Philistines if somebody would just believe. And there he is, he comes out with a sling and a stone, and Goliath is chastising him and saying, what, what are you, come against me? What am I, a dog? Here's this Goliath, uh, uh, it's estimated over nine feet tall, and here's David, a young, a young boy, and he comes, he says, he says, he says, you come with me with a spear and a sword, he says, he, I, come, I come against you in the name of the Lord. David runs at him. He runs at him with a sling and a stone. Knocks him out with the stone. Now sometimes you hear that story wrong. We think he killed him with the stone. No. He used what was in his hand to take what the enemy had formulated to take out the children of Israel to kill him. Did you know this? See, Goliath had this huge sword. And he had been intimidating the armies of God, saying, this is the sword that's going, that's been made to take you out. And here comes David with a sling and a stone. He takes the very thing that has been crafted to take out God's children and then he takes this sword and chops off Goliath's head. What an awesome word. That's a different, that's a different sermon series. But this is where we find ourselves in this story. And today we're going to find out, I believe, one of the greatest stories of honor in all of the Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 says, And now when he had finished speaking to Saul... The soul of Jonathan, Jonathan is Saul's son, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor 
even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Open the scriptures to us and speak to us that we might look more like Christ in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of the, uh, the, the greatest scenes of honor and one of the greatest scenes of honoring peers that I believe is, is actually in all of the Scripture. So, so David is just having this, this, this talk with Saul. He's being elevated. He's being noticed for the very first time. He's been anointed to be king many, many, many years ago. And now he's getting his first step onto the national stage when he took out the champion, Goliath. And now Saul says, man, I'm not letting that guy go home. I'm keeping him near me. I think we would do the same. If you had somebody around you that was slaying the giants that were coming against you, you'd want those people next to you all of the time. And so Saul says, I'm not letting him go home. But Saul's son, Jonathan, honors David, I believe, and shows us how we are to honor those we're called to run with. And this passage gives us three insight into how we are to honor our peers, our friends, those we're called to run with in this life. And what we see in this story, first of all, is that honor loves. Honor loves. 1 Samuel 18, 1, it says, And now when he had finished speaking to Paul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Did you hear this? And this is, this is, this is in the very beginning of this relationship. His soul was knit to him. Have you ever had that kind of friendship? Have you ever had that kind of relationship with somebody where immediately things just clicked? You know, uh, years ago, we, as a family, we tried to own a dog. And we went out and this, uh, there was this, these beautiful boxer labs, um, lab mix. I just didn't know that the lab side was Jesus. And the boxer side was Lucifer. It was Lucifer. It was horrible. And this dog was so cute as a puppy. And it was like, oh, this is the one. And it was, it was really only a short time later that we realized, you are not the one. Okay, away from me. Get garlic, crosses, whatever we got to do. But this dog, we cannot control it. It was bouncing off the wall, scratching things, eating things. It was, it was uh, a test for us. But recently we tried, we said, you know what, we're going to try this again, okay? And we said, we're going we're gonna to go down to the rescue and uh, I'm going to take my kids, which is, a, which is a dangerous thing. You take your kids to a rescue they're going to love everything, right? And so my son, uh, you know, uh, Aiden, he sees this, this one dog and it's red. It kind of looks like a skinny hound. It's, it's like, it's, it's like kind of short body, long legs, just, 
you could tell there's all kinds of mix going on in that thing. And uh, he's like, oh, Dad, Dad, look, this one came right up to me, was looking at me. I said, all right, all right, let's, let's go into this little family area. It's, you know, it's just a small area, probably about as big as this stage, maybe a little, a little bigger. And uh, we, we go into there, and they allow us to bring that dog in. Well, as soon as they take it off the leash, no. It ran in circles, ran for the first 90 seconds. My children were chasing this dog, hoping to be able to pet it. Did not stop. It did not stop. Then, at about a minute and a half in, it just finds any piece of dirt and starts digging holes. Digging holes, digging holes. I'm like, I recognize that spirit. <laughs> recognize that. This is not, no. This is not love at first sight. Uh, I'm like, children, I think we can make a better choice. And we go back in there and uh, we, we find this, this, this smaller terrier mix and he was very, uh, very kind and kind of playful and everything. And, and you know, uh, uh, took him in there and, and just, just immediately there was a, a, a connection. And so we, we took, uh, uh, they, they called him boots he's a little black terrier with little white mittens so they called him boots we're like no we need a we need a man's name we're gonna call him max there's nothing max about him he's just max and so but our our kids were just knit to this dog and this relationship that jonathan has with david it really can't be explained it's supernatural but it's filled with this word, love. It says he loved him as his own soul. I want you to hear this today. Scriptural love includes honor. Scriptural love includes honor. Now, for me personally, as a study Bible, I use the New King James Version, okay? It's a, it's a word-by-word translation. I like that uh, as a study Bible. There are thought-by-thought translations that are very good. The NIV is, is one of them. And, and, and so I, in preparation for this series, I was just reading uh, some other translations. And this is what I found in the chapter on love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Listen, it does not dishonor others. So another way of saying that is love honors. So you would say, you probably see it in your, in your translation as love does not behave rudely. Which means you can't be rude and be honoring people. It says love honors. So here's Jonathan walking in honor. And Jonathan's honor for David was first expressed in biblical brotherly love. And I want to say this to us. There's, there's a reason why we're talking about honor. 
I believe God wants to give us an awakening here at Calvary. I believe that we're supposed to be a part of something significant. Something worth telling others about. I believe that there are going to be souls saved and lives changed and, and the miracle working power of God released. But the first thing we have to handle as a congregation is this idea of honor, which is wrapped up in love. We have to be able to love people, have our hearts knit to people as the Holy Spirit leads us. Now you may not be able to have your heart knit to everyone. Neither did Jonathan. Neither did David. I can't do it. But together, we can have our hearts knit to a community. And we can love them. And we can begin to honor them by walking in brotherly love. You say, what does that look like? It's practical. It's very practical. It's looking at needs and meeting needs and checking on people. And if you're involved in a life group, it's calling somebody when you're thinking of them. They cross your mind. That's not, that's not just a fleeting thought. It's an invitation to pray for them. It's, it's God saying, I want you to honor people so I can trust you with them. You know, we're all called to make disciples. All of us, not just church leaders. We're all called to make disciples. Honor prepares you for making disciples because you start walking in brotherly love. So when you begin to honor your peers, you honor them in love. You honor your friends, you honor them in love. And listen, all biblical honor begins at the heart. It comes from the heart. It's not contrived. It's not worked up. By the way, when you read the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, it does not say the fruit of you. It says it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you, and because He's resident in you, you love. You say, well, I'm not loving very well lately. Get more of Him. You say, you think I leak? I'm sure of it. You, you leak like a spring. Because Jesus said in John chapter 7, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He spoke this concerning the Spirit. There ought to be a flow out of you of the Spirit. You ought to be leaking everywhere you go. Leaking love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faith and miracles. And, and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. You ought to be leaking everywhere. You're the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. Honor loves. Here's another insight from this passage. Honor agrees. Honor agrees. It says this. Now when he had finished speaking, um, it says in Jonathan, verse 3, and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now listen, when you love somebody that you are called to run with, a friend, there is an agreement that comes between you. I, I, I want all of you to have the relationships that like, you know, some of the relationships I have in my life. 
you know, where I could possibly have not talked to this friend who is a very close covenant friend for months. But as soon as we reconnect, it's like there was nothing missing. All of the time, it, it, it just, it didn't matter that we spent that time apart. We're, we're running together. And it's, there is an energy that is produced, a synergy that is produced when we are running together in agreement. And God wants us walking in those kinds of relationships, but it's unlocked by honoring them. You can't be rude to someone and expect that you're going to run with them. Honor agrees. Now, this word agrees is connected to this word covenant. Jonathan made a covenant. Now, we, we use this term, or you might hear this term, um, uh, only at weddings, because you, you hear the marriage covenant. So unless, unless you've done an extensive study on what covenant actually is, uh, you might just think, well, covenant is just an old word for a contract. Well, there are some similarities, but some very, very much some differences between an old, uh, a new idea of a contract and uh, an, an, an older, more ancient idea of a covenant. First, a covenant is, is, this, is uh, a covenant defines a relationship. It might be a relationship between a king and nations that they've, they, they, they would have conquered, but they have allied to themselves. Uh, it might be a um, a covenant as what we have with God. God makes a covenant with us. Or it could be between two humans just like this. But the covenant defines the relationship. It says there is a closeness there. There's an intimacy there that may not be in other relationships. A covenant uh, uh, sometimes, uh, um, like in many contracts today, they're conditional. That, that, that means that if you do this, then I will do this. Now, this is the nature of almost every agreement today. However, biblically speaking, covenant does not work that way. Covenant says we're coming into agreement, and no matter how you behave, I'm telling you how I'm going to behave towards you. No matter how off the rocker you get, I'm going to walk with you. That's what a covenant is. It's different. Covenants often include, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, a slaughter of an animal as a significance uh, of that moment. There was a price paid for that covenant. And unlike present-day contracts, covenants uh, uh, often carried no expiration date. You see, later on, after Jonathan has gone to be with the Lord, David finds himself in the throne looking for someone in Jonathan's family to bless. And all he could find was this lame relative, Mephibosheth. And he finds him and he blesses him because of that covenant that had no expiration date. A contract today could be enforced by civil government. A covenant is overseen by God. A covenant involves the exchange. A, co a contract, rather, 
involves the exchange of property or actions. A covenant binds two parties together personally. Here's what a covenant means. Everything that I have is yours, and everything that you have is mine. Sounds like a wedding vow, doesn't it? It's because it's a covenant. Amos 3.3 says this and gives us an idea about what a, a covenant kind of looks like when the children of Israel are actually breaking, trying to break covenant with God. It says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? It's a question, but it means it, the implied answer is no. No, there has to be agreement. There has to be covenant. And listen, honor makes covenant with people that you're called to run with, people that you're called to make a difference with, that doesn't doesn't mean that that is going to be an expansive number, but you do have those people that you're called to be connected with on a deeper level than what other people could explain. You may, you may even have people who say, well, why don't I have that kind of relationship with you? It could be that you're called to have a covenant relationship with someone else in a deep way. In the way that, that Jesus had 12 disciples, he did. But then there was the three disciples that went everywhere with him. And then inside the three, there was the one, John. There was an intimacy experienced with John that wasn't experienced with others. It says he laid his head on his chest. I believe God wants us to start walking relationships that are connected in covenant so that we can start offering full access to people in our lives. You need people that you can just be yourself around who are going to love you and believe in you no matter what. So, uh, for some of you, it was like, oh, man, that was my mother. Man, I could have really messed up, and she would make my mess up sound like a good plan. We need those people. But listen, we have to be willing to get into covenant relationship with a few people. That means I want you to see me. I want you to let me see you. And we're going to love each other, and we're going to run with each other, and we're going to honor each other, and out of it, there's going to come a synergy, a multiplied force for God's kingdom. See, covenant gives full access, so honor grants access to our peers. The covenant, it agrees the last thing is this, honor imparts. It says that 1 Samuel 18, 4, it says this, and Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. He took off his robe that was on him and gave it to David. Can you see this moment? Can you, can, can you, can you experience it with, with me here this morning? That Jonathan, wearing the robe that belongs to the king that's about to ascend to the throne, 
When his father passes, Jonathan is the one that is called to sit on that throne. But he so honors the call of God on David's life from the very, very, very beginning. He says, he says, David, 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 come here. Come here, David. He says, David, come here. He says, man, my soul is knit to you. I've got to take this off. and I've got to wrap you in it. And David is saying, there was this weird guy named Samuel that showed up and he poured this oil over my head years ago. But I've been watching sheep ever since. And then I just have this thing happen with the giant. And now you are putting on me exactly what I need to answer my call. You see, Jonathan said, I so honor you, David. I so honor you, my peer, that I'm going to take off everything that I have as a right that's been given to me. I have been given this to me because I am the son of the king, and I am taking off my robe, and I am going to, I'm going to clothe you in this robe. Not only that, he then takes off of his armor and he gives him the armor. And then he takes off his sword and he gives him the sword. And then he grabs his bow and he gives him the bow. And then he takes his belt and wraps his belt around all of it. Jonathan imparted everything that was in him into David. Everything. He didn't hold back. By the way, this is the second time in two days that David has tried to be clothed by the same family. The day before, Saul sitting in his tent. Here comes this little shepherd boy in his shepherd outfit. He says, he says this, put on my armor. He puts it on. He says, how can I go out in this? This has not been tested. This is not for me. This is for you. The day before, dad, Saul, is trying to clothe David. Why does David allow it the next day? Here's what I believe. Saul's armor that day would have honored Saul because he said, take my armor. Jonathan took his armor and he said, my armor is now your armor. He said, I'm giving it away. It's yours. And I want to say this. You need to get real comfortable with living like Jonathan. 
that you would take of all of the giftings, all of the talents, all of the things that God has, has, has put into you as, as a son or a daughter of God. You have to put those things in you, and yet at the very same time, they awaken dreams of doing great things for God. They awaken things in you. You know what you have to do to that? Completely die to it and give it away. You should look around this church. You should look around the county and say, is there somebody that I can impart what God has given to me so that they can answer their call? Honor imparts. But not only do you need to get comfortable living like Jonathan, you need to get comfortable living like David. Here's why. Jesus is that root of Jesse. He comes through David. Do you know why he came through David? Because of Jonathan. Jonathan's gift made a way for David to take the throne. He said, I see what's on you. And I'll serve you and I'll run with you all the days of my life. I want you to understand this. Though Jesus received from the gift of Jonathan, Jesus now, today, lives like Jonathan. He does. The scriptures say, He takes us, and according to Isaiah 61, He clothes us in a robe of righteousness. He takes it off of himself and anyone who would believe he clothes them in that. He, 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 he then, the scriptures say in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 20, it says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus wraps us in righteousness. Then the rest of it is Ephesians 6 to a T. Jesus, who is the, exemplifies the armor of God. Jesus then, by grace, gives us armor. It says, take and put on the whole armor of God. Jesus then gives us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You say, what's the bow? The bow is intercession that you would launch prayers with. Because in Ephesians 6, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And he said, it needs to be wrapped up in truth. That belt that was given. The reason we honor is because this honor was given to us. And we have to take everything that Jesus has done for us and wrap it around the community that he's called us to reach. And we'll answer that call if we develop and live in a culture of honor. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like more information about the ongoing ministry of Calvary Church, please visit our website at InvernessCalvary.com.